Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining unwavering faith in Almighty God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles. I thank you so much for being back with me today. We are now recording episode three of season six, and in this season, we are weathering the storm with Nehemiah. In our first episode, we did some background information, gave some uh, some information regarding Nehemiah the man, but also Nehemiah the book. In our last episode, we talked about the painful problem that Nehemiah faced and looked at some application as to some of the problems that we see and, and that we face today uh, as, as godly people. And we now come to the prayer, the meaningful prayer, that Nehemiah prayed to God. And so he saw the problem, he was aware of it, he fasted, he mourned, he was hurt, but then he turned his eyes to heaven and prayed. And that, of course, gives us the great blueprint for what we must do when the storms of life come our way. Before we read this beautiful prayer found in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 11, I want to say a quick word about the Scattered Abroad Network. And this podcast, Weathering the Storm, is on the Scattered Abroad Network. You can uh, subscribe to our master feed if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our YouTube channel is available as well. You can contact us at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. And also go and check out our website, scatteredabroad.org. We appreciate so much all the support that we've gotten over the years, and we appreciate your prayers, and certainly appreciate you listening and sharing these episodes to the glory of God. We now come into this incredible section of Scripture when Nehemiah pours out his heart to God in prayer. And anybody that's listening to this episode today who's going through a storm, going through a very tough trial, and maybe you and and God are the only ones that know about it. I hope that you can gain confidence and encouragement from this prayer that Nehemiah offers. And hopefully uh, we can adapt this into our own prayer lives and pray it back to God when we face a storm. But let's read this as we begin. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. I want to say a few things about this prayer after we read it and then make some connections and applications with other prayers offered in Scripture. And again, hopefully we can apply this and adapt this into our own prayer lives. So again, remember the context, remember the background to this prayer, is that Nehemiah had heard that the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down and the gates had been burned with fire. He heard these words, he sat down, he wept, he mourned, he was fasting, and he prayed to God. And now here is the prayer, beginning in verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 1. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you command that your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, and keep my commandments, and do them, Though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place 
for my name. Now these are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah adds that final phrase because he's going to go to Artaxerxes, the king, and ask for permission to go lead in rebuilding the walls. But before he goes to the king, the earthly king, he goes to the heavenly king, the divine king. He goes to his God in prayer. There's so many things to unpack from this prayer, but we just start with the praise that Nehemiah offers. Back in verse 5, he says, I pray, Lord God of heaven. He recognizes the sovereignty and supreme authority of God. Lord God of heaven. And then he says, O great and awesome God. King James uses the word terrible, but the point is it's something that strikes all and fear in others. And this is not some kind of you know, fear that you're shaking in the corner as much as it is a godly reverence and respect. Just recognizing the nature of God and who he is. Nehemiah does that. The great and awesome God. And then he alludes to the fact that God is faithful. He says, you keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you. He, he talks about what he had said to his servant Moses years ago. And he, he appeals to the fact that God is faithful and God is going to hear this and he is going to bless his people. And so Nehemiah, as a great leader, is going to God on behalf of the people. He had enough care and concern to inquire about the problem. And now he has enough care and concern to intercede on behalf of the people because of the problem. Here is a a great sketch, then, of a true leader. As the leader, notice what he does. He doesn't say the people that have sinned, and he's not pointing fingers to everybody else. He includes himself in this, and I believe that's that's worthy of our, our consideration. Nehemiah says this. He says, We're confessing the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Notice that we have sinned. And then the end of verse 6, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly. We have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the ordinances. He doesn't try to point fingers and say, well, that was everybody else, but you know, I haven't had that issue. No, as a great leader, he puts himself with the people. He says, we're all coming. I'm coming to you on behalf of all of us. And I believe that's extremely important and valuable for us to think about. Think about Saul. When Samuel came to him, 1 Samuel 15, you remember when God told him to go utterly destroy the Amalekites for what they had done? And so Saul goes, and and yeah, they're destroying things, but they don't utterly destroy. They allow Agag, the king, to survive. They keep him back. And then some of the animals, they didn't utterly destroy. They didn't kill. When God said, go take them out. You remember Samuel comes to Saul, and Saul says, Hey, Samuel, I want you to know I've done everything that God asked me to do. Samuel says, Well, why do I hear the lambs? Why do I hear the oxen? Why do I hear animals if you utterly destroy them? And what Saul does is he changes his tune. He says, Well, they did this. The people 
did this. And so as a leader, he didn't take the responsibility he should have. So he allowed all this to happen. But instead, he started pointing fingers and blaming everybody else. That's not what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah puts himself with his people as he intercedes on their behalf. And so in verse 8, he says, Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses. This is important information. He's going to quote from the book of Deuteronomy. If you have a, a marginal note, you might have some similar to what I have, Deuteronomy 4, 25 through 27, and Deuteronomy 28, 63 through 67. Here he goes back to the Old Testament Scripture. He goes back to the, the law of Moses, and he says, God, you remember what you said to the people? How they would be scattered if they're unfaithful, that they would have to go. And, of course, he's connecting this with the captivity. But then he brings to his attention, reminds him, Yet I will gather from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. No doubt Nehemiah's thinking about Jerusalem. He's thinking about the, the place where God's people would reside. And he's essentially praying to God that he'll hear his prayer that this is the time when he'll rise up and be with them and bring them back and give him success in his mission. Notice in verse 10, again, he appeals to God's great power and ability. These are your servants. These are your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your great strong hand. Nehemiah says, God, these are your people. These are the ones that you have redeemed. This is the people that you've put your name on. You've put your your endorsement with, if you will, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Remember, God told them, it's not because you were great in numbers. You're the people uh, through whom the Son of God, the Messiah, is going to come. He was going to take care of them. And so verse 11 is the second time that Nehemiah asked God to have his eyes open and his ears attentive. And it's not that he's doubting God. It's just pointing to how important and serious and urgent this request really is. Verse 11, O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Let your servant prosper this day. Show me mercy. Be with me. Nehemiah says, I've got a great task ahead of me. There's a great storm that I'm about to run into, and there's no way I can do this on my own. Nehemiah understood he had a responsibility to act. He's going to be the leader. He's going to help God's people get back on track. He's going to help rebuild the walls. But he knows he cannot do it without God's help. You and I must understand that. When we see the storm clouds rise, and we know that we're about to have to go right into the teeth of it, there's no way that we can go through it and come out unscathed if we try to do it on our own. You've got to have God with you. You've got to know that He will be with you. But you have to make that choice, that decision, to submit to Him and trust in Him as you weather the storm. Something that, that really jumps out to us here, when you think about this meaningful prayer that he prayed, is when Nehemiah says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, we find another passage of Scripture, Peter, in fact, will quote from this, that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers, 1 Peter 3.12. There's great comfort then and encouragement that we can have even today 
as we face storms. And like Nehemiah, when, when, when we see the problem arise, we need to go straight to the source. Go to God and know that He is our rock and our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He was there for Nehemiah, as we're going to be reading and studying about this season. And He will no doubt be there for us as we ask that which is in harmony with His will. And we go to God in faith, nothing wavering, James 1.5. I do want to point out again the end of this, that God, uh, Nehemiah is asking God to grant him mercy in the sight of the king. That's something that we need to take, take hold of as we pray today for our leaders. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We, we are instructed in the New Testament to pray for kings and all those in authority. And when's, when's the last time that you stopped and prayed for the White House? When you prayed for the governors at, at the local level? When you, when you prayed for, you know, any, the mayor, anybody that's leading in the community and, you know, where you live? Here we find this example that Nehemiah says, hey, I'm going to go to the king and I pray that you'll be with me, be with him and grant me mercy. That's something we need to be doing, praying for our leaders, um, that God will be merciful to us as his people, and that the people in positions of power will humble themselves and seek to do the will of God. Nehemiah gives us a great example. Again, the king is Artaxerxes, and Nehemiah is his cupbearer. We talked about that in, in episode one. And when we dive into chapter two in our in our next episode, we're going to talk about what Nehemiah is able to do as far as planning the work. But I want us to think about some of the language in chapter 2 showing that God did hear the prayer and answer the prayer of Nehemiah. Chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, It came to pass in the month of Nisan, the twelfth or twentieth year, rather, of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence before. So therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you were not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. The king picked up on something with Nehemiah. Something wasn't right. Now notice Nehemiah says, I became dreadfully afraid. He's in a tough spot. You're not supposed to show sadness in front of the king. He says, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste? and its gates are burned with fire. goes back to our last episode that, that how deeply hurt and moved Nehemiah was to hear about his home and hear about what had been going on. The king said to Nehemiah, verse 4, What do you request? And notice Nehemiah says, I pray to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you will send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Now, notice that Nehemiah didn't jump to this conclusion, did he? No, he, he carefully planned this out, and he went to God in prayer multiple times, day and night, the Bible says, before bringing this to the king's attention. Verse 6, the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? When will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Nehemiah says, okay. I need to go and I need to tend to this. And the king says, okay, I'm, I'm going to allow that to happen. But verse 7, furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, 
Let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me, notice this phrase, according to the good hand of my God upon me. I went to the governors in the region beyond the river, gave them the king's letters. The king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Simbalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. That gives us a glimpse into some of the opposition he's going to face. But I wanted to read that section of Scripture to prepare us for our next episode. But to notice that Nehemiah had the king's endorsement. He's got letters from the king. He has got confidence as he goes to this mission. But you and I know, as we've already read, he's got confidence not because all of his confidence is his king Artaxerxes, but he's got true, genuine confidence and assurance because he's gone to the God of heaven. He's gone to the king of the universe. And he's asked for help and he's asked for mercy. God heard his prayer. And King Artaxerxes gives his blessing, if you will, to Nehemiah, his endorsement, sends him with letters. He's going to have all the help that he needs to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so in these first three verses, we've noticed Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through chapter 2 and verse 10, which is going to set the stage for our next episode when we think about Nehemiah viewing the walls of Jerusalem and how he planned the work and the importance of planning when it comes to how we're going to address the storms of life. There are many prayers offered in Nehemiah. Again, I believe this is one of the most profound prayers in all of Scripture. But I want to give you these references if you'd like to jot them down, and you can have them and go and read them. Of course, this one, Nehemiah chapter 1, 5 through 11. We notice chapter 2 and verse 4, he went to God in prayer. But then there's also chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Chapter 5, verse 19. Chapter 6, verse 14. And then in chapter 13, we have a reference to prayer in verse 14, 22, 29, and 31. Again, very quickly, here are the prayers, the nine prayers of Nehemiah recording in the book. 1, 5 through 11, 2, 4, 4, 4, and 5, 5, 19, 6, 14, 13, 14, 22, 29, and 31. This is a prayer offered by a servant of God who recognized God's power, God's authority, and God's ability to grant him mercy and help him to weather this storm, to help him to address the problem of rebuilding the wall. And certainly we can pray prayers very similar to this when we find ourselves in time of stress. I'd like to close out this episode with another prayer offered by a great servant of God, and that's the prayer offered by Daniel. This was recorded in Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 through 19. This is a little lengthy. I hope that you'll bear with me. Again, as we read this, we'll close out this episode today. But this is Daniel's prayer for the people. I want you to notice the similarities between Nehemiah's prayer and Daniel's prayer. And of course, the God of heaven, who is so gracious and merciful to not only hear these prayers of his servants, 
but to bless them and to answer them. Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 3. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off and all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed, so as not to obey your voice. Therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us, because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us, and against our judges who judged us, by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are reproached to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplication before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people who are called by your name. The similarities between Daniel and Nehemiah's prayer are striking and worthy of our study. But what a great reminder it is for us as we strive to weather the storm to remember that when we face storms, when we face trials, when we face times in which we don't know what to do or where to go, we can always know that going to God in prayer is always the right thing to do. Nehemiah faced a very painful, very real problem, and he faced it the right way. He went to God in prayer, and he obtained mercy in time of need. May we do the same as we go through the storms of life. I thank you so much for listening. I look forward to next episode in which we're going to dive into some of the leadership qualities that Nehemiah possessed. 
Again, thank you for listening. I hope that this will be helpful for you as you weather the storm. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.